بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا إلما Inshallah, tonight we will continue from where we left off last week. We have been speaking about over these last few weeks the Muslim conquest in the lands of Asham during the Khilafah of Umar ibn al-Khattab So we spoke about the conquest of Damascus. We spoke about the conquest of Fihl. We spoke about the conquest of Hims. We spoke about the conquest of Hamat. And we spoke about the conquest of Qin Nasreen. And we spoke about how with all of these conquests, one after another, Hiraqal, who was the emperor of the Byzantine Empire, he was in Sham himself during those times personally. And he was trying to organize a huge army to fight against the Muslims. But with these victories of the Muslims, one city after another, after another, after another, Hiraqal himself had to flee from Sham. He was afraid that eventually Khalid ibn al-Walid and the Muslim army was going to catch up to him personally. So he actually fled from Sham and he escaped back to his capital in Constantinople, the capital of the Byzantine Empire. So after Hiraqal fled Sham, Abu Ubaidah, who was the main commander of the Muslim army in Asham. It was divided into two parts. Abu Ubaidah, who was the main commander, he divided it into two parts. One part was commanded by Khalid ibn Walid and one part was commanded by Abu Ubaidah himself. So Khalid and his part of the army, they were the ones who actually chased Hiraqal out of Asham and, and forced him to go back to Constantinople. Now as for Abu Ubaidah and his part of the army, after Hiraqal fled from Asham, Abu Ubaidah took his army to Halab, Aleppo. And the people of Halab, they locked themselves in the fortresses of the city. But they realized, eventually they realized that they would not be able to withstand the Muslim army. Because Hiraqal himself had, had run away, he had fled. So the people of Halab, now they knew that they're not going to get any reinforcements because Hiraqal himself is gone. How are they going to get any reinforcements? And they knew that they themselves would not be able to fight against Abu Ubaidah and his army. So the people of Halab, they decided to surrender peacefully. And Abu Ubaidah he accepted this surrender of the people of Halab under the condition that some land in Aleppo, some land in Halab would be taken to build a masjid in Halab. So the people of Halab, they did not object to this and the masjid of Halab was built. And this peaceful surrender and this peaceful transfer of power to the Muslims was completed. So now Halab has also been conquered by the Muslims. Then Abu Ubaidah, he continued. The next point on the journey of conquest was Antakya. Antakya is a city or an area in modern day Turkey nearby the Syrian border. So the people of Antakya, you know, they, they were also smart not to try to fight against the Muslims. And they made a peace treaty as well and they surrendered peacefully and they agreed to pay the jizya to the Muslims. So that was another peaceful surrender of Antakya. So now the Muslims have conquered Antakya as well. And Antakya, it was one of the most important strategic strongholds 
for the Byzantines. So the fall of Antakya to the Muslims was a huge blow to the Byzantine Empire. And when Umar when he received news of the victory at Antakya, he was very pleased with this. But he also ordered Abu Ubaidah to leave a strong military presence in Antakya. Because Antakya was a stronghold of the Byzantine Empire. It was a major strategic city that they had. So he thought, Umar thought that perhaps the Byzantines will try to make an effort to get it back because it's so important to them. So in order to prevent this, Umar he ordered Abu Ubaidah to leave a strong military presence there in that city so that the Byzantines would not have an opportunity to retake it in the future. After Antakya, Abu Ubaidah, he continued with these conquests. He continued to Ma'arra, the city of Ma'arra, and he was able to conquer this peacefully as well. You see, most of these cities are being conquered now without fighting peacefully because the people of the cities of Asham have now realized that you know, the Muslim army has always been successful in these battles. If it ever gets to fighting, the Muslims are the ones who are winning. So it's better not to fight in the, in the first place. Let's just surrender peacefully. So most of them have realized this by now and they are surrendering peacefully. So the people of Ma'arra, they surrendered peacefully and the Muslims took that city as well. Then they can continue to the city of Qawrus and they also conquered that as well. And these conquests continued city by city by city by city until the Muslims had conquered the majority of the land in this area of Asham. Then after this Abu Ubaidah, he headed towards Philistine. And the governor who had been appointed over the Muslim conquered lands in Jordan and Philistine, there were some lands that they had conquered in that area as well. And the one who was appointed as the governor of that area was one of the great companions of the Prophet Amr ibn al-As. Amr ibn al-As What was unique about him is that he was a genius military commander and he was also a genius in political skill as well. He combined both of these skills, military and political. Not many people are like that. Usually a person who's a good military commander, he won't be very good politically. And usually someone who's very good politically, he won't be very good in the military. But Amr ibn al-As he was a genius in both of these areas of expertise. He was a military genius as well as a political genius. So he was the governor of the Muslim lands in uh, Jordan and Philistine. Now at this point, the Muslims had not conquered Jerusalem yet. Jerusalem, of course, the most important city in that whole land, in the land of Asham. And also one of the most important cities in the world. For us as Muslims, Jerusalem is the third holiest place on earth. After Mecca and Medina, it's Jerusalem. So a very important city. And even to the Jews and the Christians, it is a very sacred city. It's the most important city to the Jews and to the Christians. So a very important city for everyone. Right? So it's, 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 it's the most important city in Asham. The Muslims had not conquered it yet up to this point. They had conquered some other lands in Jordan and Philistine, but not Al-Quds, not Jerusalem. Alright, so Amr ibn al-As he received intelligence that the Byzantine soldiers 
were gathering and organizing themselves in Palestine with a plan to attack the Muslims. And they were organizing and gathering mainly in three areas, in three cities. They were gathering in Fallujah. And this is where some of the big commanders of the Byzantine army had gathered. Some of the big generals and the big commanders, including the brother of Hiraqal. His name was Theodore. He's the brother of Hiraqal and he's, he's a big commander in the military. And he was known as Al-Artabun. Artabun, it means big, high commander. Like, you know, a five-star general. And in addition to gathering in Fallujah, they had also gathered, they were also gathering in Al-Quds itself. Al-Quds, it was known as Ilya. And they were gathering in Jerusalem itself as well. And also in addition to that, the third place where they were gathering was the city of Ramlah. So three cities in Palestine where a heavy presence of Byzantine soldiers was being organized, right? So Amr ibn al-As radiallahu anhu, he received this news, he received this intelligence and he knew that he had to do something about this. And he knew that he had to prevent these three armies coming together. You know, the Byzantine army, it's, it's so huge. They had so many forces all over Syria and all over Palestine, all over this area, huge army. So Amr ibn al-As wanted to make sure that these three cities where these soldiers were placed, that they wouldn't all come together and make one big army because this would be something that would be difficult for the Muslims to face. So what Amr ibn al-As decided to do is to dispatch his army to each of these three places to keep them busy, to basically block them or prevent them from joining each other and coming together. So this is what he tried to do. Still, Theodore Al-Artabun, this, this big commander of the, of the Byzantine army, he was able to unite a great faction of these soldiers and make one big army. He was able to do this. And he gathered them in a place known as Ajnadin. That's near Ramlah in Palestine. He gathered a huge army there in Ajnadin. Now this Byzantine commander, Theodore, Al-Artabun, the brother of Hiraqal, he was a brilliant man, very smart man. And he was a military genius as well. So now Amr ibn al-As, who's also a military genius, he is going to face Al-Artabun, Theodore, who is also a military genius. So this is really a big matchup between these two. When Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu came to know that Amr ibn al-As would be facing Theodore and he knows that both of these people are very well known for their military skill and expertise. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu he said, that we are going to strike the commander of Byzantine with the commander of the Arabs. Amr ibn al-As, he's a great commander of the Arabs. And he is going to be the one who will strike this commander of the Byzantines. So Theodore, yes, he was a genius commander, but so was Amr ibn al-As. So this would be a matchup for the ages. This is like a huge matchup here. Two brilliant commanders going up against each other. So when Amr ibn al-As, when he reached Ajnadin, where Theodore had 
had gathered this huge army. When Amr ibn As reached here, Theodore and his huge army, by this time they had already fortified themselves behind the walls of the city. The Muslims, they surrounded the walls uh, and they started negotiations. Before fighting, there are these negotiations, right? Messengers go back and forth. Muslim messenger will go in and, and, and talk to the Byzantine side. Byzantines will send some of their messengers out to try to negotiate with the Muslims. This is normal before fighting begins. That these negotiations are done through messengers. And it's a universal rule that everyone had accepted and everyone agreed to that messengers cannot be harmed. Messengers cannot be harmed. They're just delivering the messages and they should be left alone. They should not be killed. They should not be harmed in any ways. Alright, so these messengers are going back and forth from the Muslim side, from the Byzantine side. Negotiations are going on, but these negotiations, they don't go anywhere. No progress is made with these negotiations and no agreement is made. So Amr radiallahu anhu, he wanted to know, like, what is the setup of this Byzantine army behind these walls in Ajnadin? I want to know how, they're, how they are organized. I want to know where are the weak points. I want to know how we can possibly penetrate. He wanted to know what's going on inside, right? And the messengers that he sent in were not able to really give him a clear picture of what was going on. So Amr radiallahu in order to find out what was going inside, he devised a brilliant plan. And this shows his, 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 his genius. Amr ibn al-As, he devised a brilliant plan. He sent a message to Al-Urtabun, to Theodore, that I want to send another messenger to you to continue with these negotiations. I want to send a messenger to you. So Al-Urtabun, Theodore, he accepts. He says, yes, please send your messenger. We can talk. So what does Amr ibn al-As do? Who does he send as the messenger? He sends himself. He dresses himself up as a messenger. Because Theodore doesn't know how he looks. Theodore wouldn't be able to recognize Amr ibn al-As. So Amr ibn al-As himself, he dresses up as if he is his own messenger. And he is given permission to enter into the walls of the city. So now he's inside. He looks around very carefully, sees where the weak points are, sees how the army is organized, right? And he registers all of this in his mind. And then he goes and he meets Al-Urtabun. He meets with Theodore himself. Now, he's meeting him as a messenger. Not as a commander or nothing like that. As just as a messenger. So they start talking. And Amr ibn al-As, when he's talking, he's talking with such confidence. And he's talking with such strength. Not how a messenger would usually talk. Right? A messenger just basically delivers the message. But Amr radiallahu an, he was talking with such conviction. He was warning Theodore that if you know if you don't accept our terms, this is going to happen. And Theodore, also a very smart man, he realizes that you know there, there's something strange going on here. The other messengers that we have interacted with before this, they're not the same as this messenger. This messenger seems to be, doesn't seem to be just a messenger. He seems to be someone higher up than a messenger. And he thinks to himself, either this man, he is Amr ibn al-As himself, or if not, he is one of the top commanders of Amr ibn al-As. But he's someone very important in the Muslim army. He realized it and he was right. So this just shows how smart Theodore was himself. So Theodore realized that this is not just a regular messenger. And what he decided to do 
And this is a very treacherous thing that he decided to do. He decided to have this man killed. And he thought that if I can kill this guy, this is not just a messenger. This is either Amr himself or it's one of his top commanders. If we kill him, it means that, you know, this will be a big blow to the Muslim army. But there's a problem here. The universal rule is you can't kill a messenger. So what Theodore Al-Artabun, what he decides to do is he quietly tells some of his soldiers that follow him out when he leaves. Follow this man out and keep a close eye on him. And as soon as he gets out of the walls of the city, as soon as he's on the other side, then kill him. And then we can say that, you know, we didn't do it. It didn't happen inside our walls. It didn't happen in the city. We can deny our part in this. And then, you know, it, it won't be said that we killed a messenger. So this is the plan that Theodore devised. And he, he secretly told some of his soldiers to do this. All right, so when Amr finished speaking with Theodore and he was able to observe the situation and formulate in his mind a plan on how to penetrate this fortress now that he knows the weak points and he knows the setup, he asks permission from Theodore to leave. And Theodore says, yes, go. So Amr leaves. He starts leaving. And then he realizes something strange. He realizes people are keeping an eye on him. He realizes people are watching him very carefully. He realizes that something is going on here. See, Amr is very smart too. So he figured out that Theodore probably figured out that I am not just a messenger. And he has probably ordered for me to be killed as soon as I leave the city. He was able to, to put that together with the way that people were looking at him and following him and acting with him. So he realized it and he realized that once I get out of the walls of the city, I'm just one man. How am I going to defend myself against this whole army? This is, you know, there are thousands of soldiers in this city and I'm just one man. If I get out of the walls of the city, I'm dead. He realized it. So before he leaves the city, he comes up with a plan, a counter plan. He doesn't go outside. He says, you know, there's one thing that... I need to discuss with Theodore that I didn't discuss with him. I need to go back and, and tell him one more thing. So they say, okay, go ahead. So he doesn't leave the city. He, he goes back and he meets Theodore again. And what does he tell Theodore? He knows what's going on now. He knows that, you know, Theodore Al-Urtabun has, has put, you know, has put a death sentence against him. So he knows that he has to figure out a way for Theodore to cancel to rescind this death sentence on his own. So what does he do? He goes back to Theodore and he tells him, he says, you know, actually I am a commander of the Muslim army. I'm not just a messenger. Actually, I am a commander of the Muslim army. So then Theodore thought that he was very smart. He said, look, and that's what I thought. I was right. But then Amr says, Umar ibn al-Khattab, our Khalifa, he has sent Ten total commanders. I'm just one of them. There are actually nine more. And now you and I have talked. You have, you have mentioned what your conditions are. You have mentioned what you want. And I have mentioned what I want, right? We have spoken. We have, we have tried to negotiate. I have heard what you have to say. But, you know, I want to bring in those other nine commanders as well. And let's all talk together. 
And maybe you can, maybe, you know, we can come to an agreement. Maybe if all 10 of us, myself including the nine others, you know, if you speak to all of us, we can po probably come to some terms that we, we all agree with. So let me go and let me bring them. So now, Al-Artabun, Theodore, he thinks that, ooh, I was going to kill one commander, but now he's going to bring nine more. He's going to bring 10 commanders. Now I can kill all 10 commanders. That will, that will, that will be the end, you know. There won't even be any battle if I can kill all 10 of these commanders. So he gets greedy here, thinking that instead of one guy, I'm going to kill 10. 10 of the big commanders of the Muslim army. So he very happily agrees to this. He says, yes, absolutely. You go and you bring those, those other nine commanders and all 10 of you guys come back and we will renegotiate again. So Amr says, okay. And then Theodore quietly, he rescinds the death sentence. Like, don't kill him. Don't, don't kill him. Let him go. So Amr, عنه, he is able to leave the walls of that city peacefully. And he goes back to the Muslim camp. And then he sends a letter to Theodore. He sends a letter to Theodore. And he tells him in this letter, he says to him, He said, you figured out who I am. And I also figured out who you are as well. You, you saw what I was doing. And I also saw what you were doing. You know, we're both pretty smart here. And then he said to him, I know that you were trying to kill me. And I know that the only reason why you let me go is because you thought I'm going to bring nine more commanders for you to kill all of us together. But guess what? I tricked you. There are no ten commanders. I'm the commander. That's it. So then Theodore, of course, he was upset that he lost his chance to kill Amr ibn al-As. He was very upset, but at the same time, he was amazed at the, at the genius of Amr ibn As. He was really impressed with it. And he said, Wallahi hadha adhal Arab. That Wallahi, this is the, the smartest and most genius person from amongst all of the Arabs, Amr ibn As. So look at that. He was, he was one man. And a death order was upon him. And he's inside the military city. And he's able to escape, alhamdulillah with, his, with this, this brilliant strategy that he has. It just shows his intelligence. When Umar when he, when he found out about this, what happened here, and how Amr was able to escape from this trap, Umar was very happy and very impressed as well. And, and, and he said, Lillahi darru Amr. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided Amr to be able to make these right decisions. It's, you know, what he did was amazing by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now, of course, there's no more negotiations after this, right? After this, the negotiations are finished. So both sides prepared for battle. And Amr radiallahu an, he was able to use the knowledge that he got on the inside. When he was inside and he saw the setup and he saw the weak points, he was able to use that, that knowledge to devise a strategy to be able to penetrate the fortress of the Byzantines at Ajnadin. And he did that, and the Muslims, alhamdulillah, they were able to win a very, very decisive victory against the Byzantines in Ajnadin. And Ajnadin was conquered, and Theodore, al-Artabun, this, this great commander of the Byzantines, he and, and what remained of his army, they fled towards Ilya. Ilya is al-Quds, Baytul Maqdis, Jerusalem. They fled towards Ilya, which is, of course, you know, the most important city in that area. You know, for the Christians, for the Jews, and for the Muslims in that area, it's the most important city. And in the world, it is the third most important city for the Muslims after Mecca and Medina. 
So a very important city. Amr ibn al-As radiallahu anhi followed them to Ilya, to Al-Quds, to Jerusalem, and the Muslims surrounded Jerusalem. The Muslims surrounded Jerusalem. Abu Ubaidah, who was the head of the military in Sham, he also brought his army there to Jerusalem as well to join this, to join Amr ibn al-As as well, because this is going to be a very important conquest, the conquest of Jerusalem, right? This is a, a, a conquest for one of the greatest cities on earth. And Amr ibn al-As realized this. Abu Ubaidah also realized this. So they gave great importance to, to this conquest. And inshallah, next week, we will speak about the great conquest of Jerusalem. Bi-idhnillah. Barakallahu feekum. Wallahu alam. Sallallahu wa sallam. Wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.